When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into Celtics Late Night. Ben Vallis here along with Jake Eisenberg. And Jake, that was a tough Ooh. one to watch, mate. Oh, yeah, not the best game of... Uh Orange Bowl I've seen no. in a while. That's <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, yeah, they're they're definitely in a bit of a uh, a malaise. down little little malaise <laughs> at the moment. What up, everybody in the chat? We got the crew. Everybody's ready to roll. Um, yeah, going back to Raptors Spurs, the energy and execution was mostly there. I thought in the Nuggets game. Mm-hmm. It was not there today, uh, specifically for two guys. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's January, baby, and they looked like it was January. Yeah, it was a rough watch. And I am someone who, like, personally gets extremely excited for preseason games, um, yep. like, tweets, a- anything Celtics-related. Anything! We do, the, we do the show on our own dime because we love the Celtics so much. Anything related to the Celtics. And yet, this one was tough to get up for, I thought, um, particularly during the game. You could sense that energy or lack thereof from the team, and it made it really hard to care. Um, but yeah. I suppose the positive takeaway, Jake, is, like, I don't really care about their approach after the fact. Like, I'm not sitting here yes. concerned about any individuals or the team as a whole. It's just kind of like, well, that sucks. And, you know, now we're going to get together and talk about the game afterwards. And um, <laughs> you, like you said, shout out to everyone in the chat. Um, you absolute sickos for uh, hopping on more Celtics content yeah, let's do after it. the game and after the Garden Report. And we'll chuck this up on the podcast feed as well. So hello to everyone listening uh, on the audio format. Hello, later. hello. Um, I suppose, like, where to start with this one? Um, like you said, the Jays, uh, a Jays. Jay's malaise. Maybe we can we mm. can workshop that for an episode. Jay's malaise. Title. Benjamin, very well done. <laughs> malaise like and Tatum. All right, I'll stop now. <laughs> <laughs> um, early yeah. in the game, like, just to give the Rockets, like I guess, some credit yeah, I'm, for I'm torn. them. Yeah, like early on, we posted up both Jays. Like they actually took turns posting up ISO on yeah. the right side. And the Rockets are one of those teams that have a bevy of like six, seven, six, nine guys. So they don't always send the double. They don't always need to. They do have, if you want to talk player dimensions, Jake, mm. the size to single coverage, uh, that that look, that action for the Cs. And with the doubles not coming at the same cadence and rhythm that they're used to, the playmaking opportunities weren't there. The scoring pop wasn't there. So they weren't really able to take advantage of that, of that single coverage. Um, and it just kind of threw them for a loop, I 
I thought. And then this is a completely separate point, but Jalen Brown trying to go off the backboard to himself on his first uh, touch was like, okay, wait, that's weird. What's what's going on here? So the Jays just a little off their game, but unfortunately, we'll get to some of the other real heroes of the game a little bit later, but I suppose we'll start with the Jays' malaise, Jake. The Jays' malaise, yeah. I, I am trying to kind of figure out how much blame to assign to Jason and Jalen and how much credit to assign to the Houston Rockets. You are correct in that they do have a lot of girth to throw at Jalen and Jason. Jay Sean Tate, a girthy individual. Dylan mm-hmm. Brooks, a thick boy. And that can be a body type that can give Jason in particular some issues at times. They didn't need to go to the post. Like why? Like Aaron Gordon, for example, very girthy individual. Mm-hmm. Not someone that typically gives Jason trouble because he's slow-footed. But they were intent on really going into the post, both Jalen and Jason, and they they just they didn't adjust the approach once it became clear that they had the ability and the strength, and almost honestly, like the fight, Jalen and Jason. If you're going to go down on the post and try and deal with someone like Jay Sean Tate and Dylan Brooks, you you spend most of your careers with Marcus Smart. It's not about the size of the dog; it's about the amount of the amount of dog in the. Fight, right? That's <laughs> that's the say. saying. That's what yep. they always say. And and those guys are always going to play bigger than they are. And Jalen and Jason were playing smaller than they were today. And they wanted to just kind of go down the post and be like, yeah, I'm 6'9". I'm going to get it done. But these guys getting, getting under them, forcing turnovers, playing clean defense, and not at least the refs weren't calling the fouls. Mm-hmm. And then they just just getting into the offense with 12, 13 seconds on the shot clock. That it was it was all of it. It was all of like the old gross Celtics habits. And uh, yeah, didn't like it. And so they get themselves benched uh, halfway through the second. Joe says, "I've had enough." Great coaching move, Joe Mazzulla, one of many Here we go. this season. Well, we're going to get into like an in defense of Joe Mazzulla a little bit later in the show when we talk about the Nuggets game because we haven't been on since then, uh, and a lot of online vitriol directed at Joe Mazzulla after that one. Uh, I think I can speak for both of us, Jake, when I say it's pretty well unfounded. But I think in so. this game. He uh, pulls pulls the trigger, pulls the cord, and gets both days on the bench to, to end the half. And it's the Derek White show. And great yeah. opportunity like to find a silver lining here, Jake, for Derek White to have yeah an opportunity to show what he's capable of as a closer. Um, and he did really, really well and closed the half <laughs> with an amazing block on a oh half-court heave attempt. On, was it Shingun that he blocked? Yeah, it was. Um, it was such an emphatic block, man. It just like it really um, <laughs> punctuated the, the awesome manner in which he closed the half. And I don't think we got to see it quite at the end, but, like, but he also forced a, a turnover on the inbounds pass from yeah. Houston. It was a two-for-one. He hits the three. And we've been calling the awful Celtics end of quarter possessions in the playback streams, if you're not watching, uh, poo for none, because (laughs) they just have not been able to execute a two for one. They love to get up, specifically Jalen and Jason, bad threes, more specifically even Jason. But Derek White perfectly executes a wide open pull up three, splashes it, gets a stop on the other, or scores it, and then... Yes, we didn't get to see a replay of it. Look, not Scal and Drew's best performance. They they kind of treated the game as if it was a blowout from start to finish. When in reality, yeah. it really it really wasn't. And they didn't really talk about how uh, Joe Mazzulla had just benched its two star players to close the half, which is something that we've like literally never seen before. Um, yeah, but Derek they were White, weirdly not locked in. 
Yeah. No, because I, because it was like the Celtics are gonna. Do, sorry, do you hear like a crackling, or is that just yeah, me? Yeah, I think it's my audio interface. I've I've just changed the setting, and I think we're good now, right? I'm all right, all right. It. I was like the alien. I can't hear it now. So yeah. Right. I was like, I turned off my compressor. It. Now we're all good. I was like, I'm, I I'm not going to sound as silky smooth anymore. The aliens, they're listening. <laughs> is that you, Drew Carter? Is that you? I'm sorry. We've been tapped by NBC Sports Boston. Look, look, we're not perfect either, okay? Um, but yeah, like it, it felt, and I felt the same. I, we all felt the same coming to the game. I thought this could be a Jordan Walsh game. It should yeah. have been a Jordan Walsh game. If Jalen and Jason played seriously for the first half, it would have been because they were up 15, up 17 points in that second quarter. And if they would have just buckled down for the the last six minutes there, then uh, we would have would have gotten it gotten it over. But uh, I, I give Joe a lot of respect. I feel like that's a big deal, and I don't think it's going to be quite framed as a benching. I haven't had a chance to really look at the post game comments yet, but I haven't seen anything pop floating around Twitter and uh, about like they were benched as opposed to just kind of riding the bench hot hand because obviously that the Jays came back in at halftime mm-hmm. and played their normal minutes rotation throughout that second half. But it was absolutely felt like Joe Mazur sent Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to their rooms and uh, the younger siblings came in and showed the older siblings how it was done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's weird that nothing has shown up on on Twitter about that because it, it seemed like a, a very uh, intentional move and and display and flex, if you will, by uh, by Joe to, to make that happen and bench both of the Jays. But look, it worked. I wouldn't say it worked in in terms of reinvigorating them for the rest of the game. Like they came back out no. in the second half and largely dog shit as well. I mean, we say largely dog shit. Jalen Brown had a triple-double in this game. I mean, yeah. Jason Tatum hit a pretty critical late game three to really put the game away. Um, But it's not the Jays that we've grown to know and love uh, immensely here, Jake. So disappointing, but one of those games where you're just kind of happy to to get through it and, uh, you know, dust off your hands and and move on. But there was a lot to this game that we should get to. Notably, the big Latvian fella, Kristaps Porzingis. Seven foot three of Grunt. From beyond the arc there, he talked about it in his post-game conference with, or interview rather, with Abby Chin, which we've got here. Kristaps, you had a game-high 32 points, but came out super aggressive in that first quarter with 15. Was the game plan to use your size? Uh, No, to be honest, uh, just knowing the coverage they were going to be in, uh, they were going to play drop coverage with Shangun. So early on, I just got a lot of open looks. Uh, missed the first two, but I just stayed aggressive, stayed shooting. And I knew they were going to fall sooner or later, and, and shots feeling better. And uh, and uh, and yeah, and you was just in a flow of the game. I was able to get those open looks from my teammates. You also had five blocks in this game, so do it on both ends. This team hasn't dropped consecutive games but once this season, and that was back in November. What is it about this group that you guys are able to bounce back? Uh, we know that if we want to be a championship-caliber team, that we cannot lose multiple games in a row. And uh, we had a tough one the other night and, and against Denver at home, uh, another championship-caliber team. Uh, it was a fun game. We, didn't, we came up a little bit short, uh, took some lessons from that one, and wanted to bounce back tonight. Just saw you waving to the fans. There were let's go Celtics chants loud in here in the fourth quarter. Do you know the green traveled this well? Honestly, it's incredible. It's incredible. Everywhere we're on the road, um, we get this support as if we were at home. And um, uh, I cannot uh, think of another fan base uh, in the NBA that is like this. And it's absolutely a blessing to play in front of these fans. Christoph, thank you. Congratulations. Thank you so much. 
Kind of a long clip, but I wanted you to see the, the celebration the from the fans at the end there. It was good. Yeah, dude. Worth, worth the wait. I mean, if we're ranking happiest people in the world, oh. like he's got to be high on the list currently. Yeah. Like he's got to be 99th percentile happiness on planet Earth this season. It's us watching that and then it's KP living, living yeah. that out in real life. <laughs> yeah, I jumped from whatever percentile to the 99th percentile by watching that clip yeah. and <laughs> by watching this this Boston Celtics team. Like, dude, I'd like... What a what a revelation he's been from a vibes perspective. Mm. You know, we'll get to the to how good he is at the basketball thing, but he's just been a great guy. Like um, Bobby Manning, CLNS legend. I mean, tried to have a little, you know, because he he he. I wouldn't say got frozen out late in the Nuggets game, but there were some questions about: Do you think you would, you know, would you like to get some of these shots at the end of the game? And he handled it like a professional. You know, we're all trying to make the right play, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Obviously, you know, carries them to a win today when the two best players, yeah, apparently they are out with Mitch in the chat here till five in the morning in Houston, and <laughs> you know, uh, the the big Latvian fella got a, got a good night's rest and was willing to carry the team. Yeah, well, speaking of folks in the chat who are in Houston, looks like Dimitri here was like in the crowd there. I remember hey, a comment sick. from Dimitri on the last show that they were going to be down in, uh, in Texas there for at least one of the games. Dimitri, let us know if you're going to the, to the, the Dallas game tomorrow. But um, good work, Celtics fans. In uh, <laughs> Is it the Toyota Center in, in Houston there? In H-Town, as they call it? H-Town. Um, H-Town, H-Town with the astronaut, <laughs> which took me until like the fourth quarter to put yeah. it together. I was like, yeah. oh, Houston, we have a problem. Um, yeah, <laughs> Apollo, the astronaut, Kennedy, Kennedy Space Center, whatever it's called, yeah. or, or yeah. is the Kennedy one the one in Florida? I don't know. Anyway, I digress. Um, Chris Stapps Porzingis absolutely Paul saved the day, along along with Derek White in this one. But he, he alluded to it in his post game interview there. But they um, defended him using drop coverage. Shengun yeah. was quite low in that drop, and the ball handler's man, which was often one of the Jays uh, or Derek White, uh, would shade over off of. Um, off of Porzingis and, and help defend the, the ball handler, just leaving Chris Stapps Porzingis fucking yep. so wide so open. open. Yeah. yeah, and like like he said, he missed the first two, but he had so much time. He just had like literally like repetitions out there, just like keep jacking him yeah. up, keep jacking him up. And I don't have got the stats in front of me. I should. You think I'd be prepared for the show? Might, what do you need? I, uh, I probably got it. But uh, okay, six for eleven from three. There yes. we go. Oh, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, which is good oh, for... Oh, Dimitri's going to be in Dallas tomorrow as well. All right. Oh, a yeah, little, little Celtics adventure. I love it. That's Dude, awesome. I, I got a question for you. So, six for 11 from three. That is his highest three-point attempt number on the season. He's previously had uh, nine three-point attempts uh, a couple of times, eight a couple of times, seven a few times, but 11 by far and away, his most three-point attempts. Part of that was definitely the coverage today a little bit. But I think it's he does turn down some looks yes. that, he could de- that he could definitely get off. And I'm just really comfortable with him upping his three-point rate, his three-point yep. shot rate. I know he hasn't knocked down as many threes this season. Like, he's, his three-point percentage, it has climbed up slow, a little bit here, up to 33.6, you know, 34. After today, it's going to be into the 34-ish range after hovering around the 32 range for a little while. Mm-hmm. So, we're trending up here. I just, like, when he catches that ball and he can fire away, it's just good offense to me. I'm really comfortable with him taking this shot. Like, I believe in that shot with all of my heart, and I would like to see him taking more shots because he's taking 4.93 pointers a game. 
you know, that's down from 5.5 last year. Obviously, it's a different, different role. But 4.9 for the type of weapon that it is, it's such easy offense to get to as well. I would like him to be a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, and it's always, almost always a good look because his head's basically in the clouds. He like exists at another altitude, a higher altitude than most of his defenders. And so you know, even if they're right up on him, he's still going to get a good glance at the basket. And then, you know, you start to get your defender out of the paint as well. It worked well with, with Shen Gun after a while. He couldn't keep going to that drop coverage. He had to come up closer to the level of the screen, which did open up opportunities for guys like Derek White. Uh, it worked quite well at the beginning of the Nuggets game as well we were drawing with some success Jokic out of the paint and when we weren't he was actually hitting those threes early in that game as well so it's always a good look and it's just good process as far as how it forces your opponent to adjust and they did that in this game and the the theme of the second half or at least the fourth quarter for KP in this one was like Mm. post-ups and he was posting up and he was getting himself to the free throw line and he was getting good looks and those ones where he sort of turns around and it looks so awkward his legs are flailing everywhere but he does turn around and get a good glance at the basket and usually is able to throw it in it's an ugly looking shot but it's it's a good look for him historically yeah yeah three for five in the fourth quarter six points uh yep. J- J- jason tatum quietly with eight points in the fourth quarter yeah very quietly uh, <laughs> yeah but um but yeah man kp uh, this is the late game the late game offense it was a little it does look a little clunky mm-hmm. but he is so good even even on some of these sturdier defenders um he had that one late uh, against, I forget, over the top of, well, I'm not sure if it was Jay Sean Tate or, or Dylan Brooks where, because he'd been, he'd been kind of posting them up and then kind of banging into them. But then the the next one, yeah, it was against um, number one uh, is, yeah, Amon Thompson. And then, yeah, just one-handed flip over the top. And then yep. the, the last one where, yeah, it was a pure just jump off from like the 15-foot range. And, uh pure and he's just doing the doing the, the trot the trot back back yeah. pedaling back to, and he's just he's <laughs> just feeling it yeah because yeah and that's that's a shot that he doesn't actually do that much it's just the pure shooter he, he kind of tries to to draw contact and he and man he's got mm-hmm. one of the best free throw rates in in the nba but um it, it is just nice like it's a shot that he can get to at any point yeah, and I really do agree with you there on like he should look to increase his three-point rate. I'd sort of speculated, and this is hugely uh, speculation, but that he probably doesn't feel, I'm assuming, too confident jacking up that many threes given all the tools in the shed as far as all the options on the team Ooh. and everything. Uh, so you would hope that after time or over time, he gets a little bit more comfortable. He understands that that's one of the better looks that we can get, uh, especially dependent on where we are on the shot clock, uh, and starts to, to chuck those up at a higher rate. So. You love to see, it and you love to see him go in because he hasn't exactly been throwing him in since the beginning of the season. But that, and, and you, you mentioned it before, like it forces his defenses to adjust. And like today, right, he misses his first two, but he hits the next, he hits the next one at least, and then mm-hmm. he goes on a crazy run from there. But yeah. all he really needs to do, in my opinion, is go like one for four, or like whatever he hits his first one. Doesn't matter if it's the first one, if it's one for three, one for four. As soon as he hits that first one, because the scouting report is people are aware that he is a sniper. Seven foot three, five plus years, like shooting 38, 39% from three on the exact same looks. 
that's what the scouting report is. That's how he's going to be defended. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he hits that first three, that just it just changes the way that everybody's defending. It changes the way that defenders know that I need to I need, I got to get out on that closeout. I got to make him a little bit more uncomfortable. And then that's when you can start to catch people off balance, which is why I really like it because as much as you know the the threes versus the getting to the rim thing, you do need to hit threes to open up the drive and kick game mm-hmm. and. He's able to get good looks at all at all times, and um, yeah, look, this—he's just such a luxury to have because inside, outside, it's it just opens it up. Yeah, and even if he misses the first three or four today, like yeah. you said, he missed the first two. You'd have to imagine that the instruction is defensively against KP. It's like, okay, you're in a deep drop, but he's really getting those up. Like, don't let him get hot. Yeah, you do actually exactly. need to come up closer to the level of the screen. So again, uh, good process. Uh, have we satisfied your like Derek White quota, Jake? Have we talked enough, Derek White? Because he was like spectacular in this game. I know we sort of touched on him in the sort of the general sense of yeah. how the game was won. But do you want to dive in a little deeper there? Well, I, I do think it's important to kind of note that we, we may have gotten through the curse period. Mm-hmm. Um, like Derek White was incredible in the Nuggets game. I don't know how we didn't win the game after we got the, the Derek White third quarter that we got plus the um, the Porzingis kiss on the top of the head. Like that should have been, that should have been it. That should have been it right there. But um, that game and then into today, uh, Derek was was excellent I thought decision making you know he wasn't as efficient as he's been throughout the season but that just speaks to how efficient he has been but you know 47% from the floor you take 38% from three he was he was really good and defensively like they really needed him you know the, mm-hmm. the blocks on he just he was just making plays doing the things that I originally fell in love for Derek White for you know like all of this this him becoming like a legit like lead scorer that can put up 20 plus on any given night when you need him. Like not something that I really ever expected from D white. The reason I, I fell in love with him was because of the Marcus smart, the Marcus smartness, mm-hmm. the, the winning plays. That's what, that's what Celtics fans love about their players is sure. especially their, their role guys is um, he took a charge in the nuggets game, uh, which we haven't seen a lot of. So he's definitely back to, Winning plays, yeah. We're zero and one when KP gives smoochies, and I think we got to get we got to raise the volume on that. The sample size is too small to, <laughs> to to let to let it go to waste. One smooch per game until we get back above five hundred. I think <laughs> I think it's only only right. Yeah. Yep. Let's uh, let's make it happen. Uh, this comment here from from Jamie D. And shout out to everyone in the chat. We've got over fifty people in here. Late night. Boston time, so appreciate yeah. all of you. But Jamie says plus fifty on the stream. Don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe to get first of the get floor up to three thousand subs. We're so close to three thousand subs, and we've kind of been hovering, hovering rather at twenty eight hundred for a little while. So if you're thinking about committing yourself, your algorithm to more Celtics content, click subscribe. It's just more of this, more of the same uh, in your feed. Yesterday we put out our fourth installment of the underrated Celtics plays series, which uh, we're really proud of. It's a it's a fun like five minute hang of just watching Celtics film and half analyzing it and half sort of joking about it and just enjoying it for what it is and lots of Luke Cornett content in the last one and if you think that sounds boring believe me it's not Luke Cornett's been doing a lot of good stuff oh, yeah. including this game as I attempt to segue Jake Luke Cornett was like properly hey. fucking good in this game hey. am I wrong? Hey, he had a he had a rough first core like stint 
and but from but my computer shut down at that point, so I missed that. So to me, Luke Cornett was pretty much perfect. He was actually like very crucial. Mm. Uh, I'm very glad that um, we didn't in the second half see too much double bigs and or Cater in the second half. I, <laughs> I was thought, wondering when you were going to bring him up. <laughs> I was deciding. I was deciding in my head whether or not to to shine us be like, first let's just stay positive. But yeah. that was part of it. Was when you go double bigs when Al's not playing with Cornet and Porzingis and you just have to play Cater. And to be fair. You know, today should have been a game where you can can get some reps for some of your developmental guys like Kader and Jordan Walsh. God damn you, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They must hate Jordan Walsh um, because this is, <laughs> it feels like the second time in a row now where they've um, refused to, to just lock in for a few minutes to get some extra time for the end of bench guys. But, but, but Cornet defensively, three blocks tonight and just really impactful around the rim. I know, look, he's going to get cooked a little bit in isolation here and there, but like he, I feel like he really adjusted well to the speed of Houston's perimeter guys, Jalen Green, uh, Amen Thompson, you know, they're, you know, not the most incredible uh, weapons out there, but he did a really good job and they, they, they look... As bad as the game was, they needed they needed this from the bench and specifically Cornet to lock down and get stops because the offense was disgusting and they needed to make things difficult for Houston at the rim and Cornet provided really good rim protection for the entire game. Yeah, absolutely. And Joe talked about that in his post game press, so we've got a clip from him here. Using, I mean, just the luxury of having Chris Apps and being able to go to him repeatedly those two buckets down the stretch. How, how much? How, how awesome is that? Different from last year to be able to just. You know, when Jason and Jalen don't have maybe it, dumping into him and getting those easy buckets. Yeah, I mean, when teams are switching uh, on and off ball and pressuring us the way they did, a pressure release uh, with the ability to play out of the post is, um, you know, I think something that uh, we have to continue to develop for the long-term success of our team. And so uh, I thought he was great. I thought he stepped up tonight and played a great game. But really, O'Shea, Luke, Peyton, Sam, like that unit, to me, like, that's why you put so much stock into them. That's why you believe in them. Like, they have to help you win games like that. Uh, you know, when <clears throat> it's a long year, it's going to be nice when you're not at your best. Uh, but those guys brought it. Um, and so it's big time. Hell yeah. I was, I was panicking there, Jake. It took a while for that clip to get on, on topic. Uh, it went straight into the <laughs> KP talk and not the Luke talk. But he, he brought it around. And yeah, Luke Cornett, it, he uh, definitely had a moment where it looked like he realized that he was like, the big motherfucker out there, like just so much bigger than anybody else. And from that moment, he was way more domineering in in the paint and way more of a rim deterrent. And uh, he had a number of blocks in this game. Uh, Ten rebounds, which is awesome yeah, in, in fairly limited minutes. Um, My guy, Rob Williams, just, doing his thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nimi saw three, three minutes and then we never saw him again. And I think part of that is just credit to Luke. Like It's like Luke's clearly the guy tonight. Luke's clearly got it. Luke's clearly making an impact on this game. Nimi, your services are no longer required and then O'Shea Brissett has been hovering around this I don't want to call it a knife's edge but like do we love him do we hate him do we need him do we not need him do we need an extra (laughs) wing or is O'Shea like that prototypical four slash three guy that we do kind of need to fill a hole in our roster so that we don't have to play double bigs there was one possession Earlier when it looked like Joe was still figuring out who his guys were in this game where it was O'Shea who, who screened for Tatum. And it was an u- ugly possession. And there were many mm. of those in this in this game, but it was a particularly ugly one that um, just created terrible spacing for JT. And then immediately after that, O'Shea went out and Cornet came back in and we saw more Cornet 
throughout the course of the game. But I do think that O'Shea had good moments in this one, particularly his offensive rebounding. He was three of yep. five from the floor uh, and just found ways to impact the game despite his, um, I guess, like talent deficiencies. Is that fair? Well, yeah. Well, he, he's deficient in one specific skill that is important, and that's orange ball go in. Mm. And yep. it's just not... <laughs> But today, three for five, man, he just, he can't shoot. That's just like every time he has a wide open shot, I'm just like, I think I'd rather him just drive every time. Mm-hmm. Like maybe just, cause no one's guarding him out there anyway. And like, I guess he's technically shooting like 30% from three, I think this year. But uh, if I just, it looks gross. I have no confidence in it whatsoever, but he's provided real value lately, especially. I feel like he's kind of really... Joe's going to him more often. He's he's playing more. Like are you looking at the, I'm looking at the the kind of the box score now. He's definitely playing yeah. like more consistent minutes. Um he played how many minutes did he play tonight? Yeah, 18, 18 minutes tonight. So yeah. You know, and he had he had 13 in the Spurs game. Obviously that was a blowout. Um looking at some of these more close games here, but like 17 and against Utah, 20 against Indiana, 15 against Indiana. Like he's definitely getting some more run. He had one play tonight where he he hit him with a sick euro left yeah, to where'd right. Yeah, come from? Yeah. <laughs> like he's um he he's finding himself it feels like a little bit and when the rest of the team is like when the Jays are playing well and you're adding what O'Shea does well, I actually think he fits pretty well because you've got you've got everything you need with this roster and just injecting mm. six foot eight athleticism and energy and like solid cutting, decision making. Like I don't find myself ever frustrated with the decision. Like, yeah, you know, he can't shoot, but on essentially he has to shoot when there's no one within six feet of him. And if he's making thirty percent of them, even if my brain register is registering it at like four percent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is it is it is it is technically going in at thirty percent, which is like totally fine. Like if he's if he's giving you one for four or one for three every second night, plus all the other stuff that he's doing for fifteen minutes, that's great. And defensively he's he's absolutely part of the machine that's been an elite defensive unit. Yeah, Spoonie nailed it with the description of his shot, of O'Shea Brissett's shot, which is it looks heavy. Like It, it kind of looks like he's like putting a ball or something. Um, it's not a good look. And you just, like, why can't he be coached out of that? It's like, hey, it's really yeah. important that you can put the orange ball through the, the hoop. It's really important yeah. that you do that. So we've brought in a guy. He's transported so many, uh, or transformed so many shot forms in the past. Like, this is your guy. Let's have you guys go out for dinner, work together, work yeah. something out. Like, why they can't do that, um, it, it boggles my mind. But um, it is what it is at this point. And he's, he's bringing like, a lot more to the table, like you said. Well, it's, it's a good point because there are some guys that change their shots and you, you ask the question, why? Uh, Markel Fultz top of the list. Uh, it r- ruined his shot for the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grady Dick, someone I saw uh, who changed his shot coming from college into the NBA who has not been able to hit a shot. It's like, mm-hmm. if you're a shooter and it looks like mostly fine, I feel like you should do like small tweaks. Never change your shot completely. But if you're O'Shea Brissett and you're <laughs> shooting 30, 30% from three and your shot looks like what it looks like, yeah, just ayahuasca, you know, retreat, with the shooting coach, forget everything you know about your current shooting form, and and learn and learn that in the in the mountains of um of Peru, I think is maybe what Oshay <laughs> needs to be doing. Yeah, yeah, a, a retreat of some sorts with a shaman. 
A exactly. shark shaman. A shark shaman. Yeah. I don't see why not. I would like to come, actually. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, my <laughs> jump shot could use a, a bit of work as well. Plus, I'm always up for a holiday. And uh, yeah. I don't know, a bit of ayahuasca, why not? Uh, why not? You know? Who else Who else can we shout out in this game? Well, I guess Peyton, Peyton Pritchard say, yeah. with a crazy turnaround uh, fading dude, three. Dude, P, man. Like, I, <laughs> fade I don't away know. Fadeaway P. Fade P. Shot clock buzzer P. Like, he, he actually does feel like they've been putting him in with, if they're inbounding the ball with like four to six seconds left, they're inbounding the ball to him and then he's shooting up and down the court like trying to find something. Always, which, yeah. Which, which I really like. He had an awesome one against Atlanta last year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this one, late shot clock, 32 feet, fading, um, there's two guys on the team that like can actually make that shot. It's it's yes. Peyton Pritchard and it's Sam Hauser. And yeah. Pritchard's at the top of the list. Like things kind of need to be, you know, smooth and under control for, for Jason in particular to mm. be able to hit a late shot clock buzzer beater type shot. But Pritchard, pure hooper, off balance, fading, 30 plus feet. A- absolutely. He can make those shots. Yeah, I think we talked about this during our like off-season awards show like who is the biggest hooper on the team oh, yeah. and i think pritchard was like one of the top two answers there just as like yeah. he, he is a baller like jason tatum max contract guy all nba guy like he's awesome you know 610 can do everything but pritchard like one-on-one like i'd take him over almost anyone else on the team he's a baller one-on-one um, well yeah i don't know if, i don't know if i can go that far oh he's okay yeah, yeah, two one. I think just the size on a one and a pure one on one. You mean like like playing one on one? Yeah. Okay. So, it, but he's not gonna miss. Like, say it's like you oh. keep you keep going back on offense if you like you make and right, you right, right, keep right, or right. whatever it's called. I can't remember the the name of that terminology because we don't play that way. Uh, make it take it. Yeah, that's the one. Make it take it. If you're playing, make yeah. it take it. Pritchard, he's making it every time. Like, he's never gonna <laughs> be able to post him up because he's never gonna be on defense. Okay. Okay. That's a uh, that's a lot of faith for for Peyton Pritchard in the one on one game. Um, well, the beauty is it'll never be disproven. It'll never happen. So I can't I'm like, go to I my need, grave with that. I say, yeah. Well, when once we get uh, credentialed, I can ask Jalen Brown in person. I'm like, who's who's winning one on one? Make it take it. Pritchard starts to the ball. I'm sure Jalen will, will definitely answer Peyton Pritchard. But like these two guys, <laughs> Pritchard, Hauser, Luke Cornett, Brissett, those guys are the heroes of this game. Like that run in the second quarter, and Joe said it in that in that post game press conference. Like. They they pushed the lead out. The Jays, I don't know, like Tatum being a minus four on the night, that feels accurate. J- uh, Jalen Brown somehow survived the the plus the single game plus minus, uh, you know, scarlet letter here by being a plus four. But <laughs> but Jason Tatum minus four rarely do you see him as a minus, and absolutely fits the eye test. But Pritchard. Hauser, they were just playing connected. They were moving the ball. They were playing fast. They were fighting on defense. They were getting to lose balls, doing all the things that you want from your bench. So it's like, yeah, they, but like they have not won us a lot of games this year. Part of that is because they haven't needed to. They've won so many games. Um, yeah, what up, Josh, once you get to us? Yeah, um, hello from minutes. the future, the past, yeah, the past. past. Hello from the past. <laughs> hello from the past, yeah. Yeah, like they haven't won us a lot of games and they haven't needed to. The, this mm-hmm. team has been so good that like all the bench has really needed to do has play the other team's bench even. And when you build a team like this, your, your bench isn't going to be the best bench in the NBA. You're not going to be the Indiana Pacers. You're not going to lead the NBA in bench scoring when you've assigned the amount of resources that you have assigned to your top six guys. It's just not how it works. As much as we, as we want every 
guy in our top eight to be a fringe all-star. It's just not how it works. But for these guys to be able to step up and play their roles consistently and have a game like tonight where if they, you know, don't if Pritchard doesn't go three for five from three and he goes one for five for three, like all of a sudden this is a one possession game going down the stretch and who knows what happens. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, give give the game ball to these guys. But yeah, in the case of the bench, what's the saying? A rising tide lifts all boats. And uh, it's clear, and Cornette might be the best example of it. Like the the bench has risen themselves to a caliber that they were previously not capable of because of how well connected the team is, how good the culture behind them is, and the leadership. I think um, tonight being the exception from from the Jays, <laughs> and that end of the half play with Derek and the bench was probably the most inspired basketball wise yep. portion of the game. Because, like you said, Jake, how well connected those guys were. Uh, there's a comment in the chat here from Jimmy. How worried uh, are we worried about JT at all? Um, my level mm. of concern is basically zero. Yeah, yeah, pretty low. I mean, I guess what the, the question is, what about what kind of worry do you mean? Are you worried that he's going to now be a twenty three percent from the field guy? Like, are we like they him and Jalen have just proven so much to me that like I've seen this game from them before. Absolutely. We actually, we, Greg Walton in the chat, hope you heard us on the telecast. Yes, we absolutely heard the Celtics fans on the yeah, telecast, especially so late in the game in Ime Doka's face. Uh, is Jake drinking from a bowling pin? Um, <laughs> it is a large water bottle. I'm not going to lie to you. but um, Shout you know, out to the chat, man. Yeah, Tom, Tom Brady said hydration is important. So I, ever since, I've just been a very hydrated individual. Um, Jason Tatum, <laughs> Jalen Brown, worry level low. Uh I'm worried in the sense that, like, I think we might be in a bit of a downswing right now. Like, Nuggets game, obviously, they didn't play well, but process-wise, engaged, effort-wise, energy, they were fantastic defensively in the in the Nuggets game. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think Tatum is more inconsistent than... Because I would say he's, his floor is much higher than usual. Because, like, I would say coming into December and January, like it felt like we were getting the, the Jason Tatum slow start kind of, but his version of the slow start now was 28, eight and a four on like 59% true shooting, which is way up from where uh, the first kind of starts to his seasons were in the past couple of years. And, uh, you know, a game like today, he doesn't play great. Still gets to the line 12 times, seven rebounds, three assists. Like the floor is risen, has risen. The, compared to where he is previously, in my opinion. It's just right now, I think they're in a downswing. It's the Raptors game, the Spurs game, low energy focus games. And this game, this game was ironically like very similar to the last year's game in Houston as well, mm-hmm. where uh, Jalen Brown was like the only, except Jalen Brown was incredible in that Houston game and Jason Tatum mm-hmm. was Disastrous, and they and they lost last year's game. Yeah, because they didn't have Chris Asposingas. <laughs> yeah, um, the curveball, the human curveball. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm not worried about Tatum at all. Like I, I'm, I'm very confident in who he is um, in the playoffs. This is a good point though. His two point percentage, especially in the mid range, has fallen off since his hot start from the mid range early in the season. It has absolutely fallen off, and it almost feels like he might be falling into some bad habits from the mid-range. He took one shot in particular that was like his step back three, but it was from 18 feet. That can't, that can't be happening. Like Mm. 
the mid-range has to be from like the 13 to 16-foot range on balance from the post. Like if you're breaking down guys and taking a step back from 19 feet, that's just, that's bad. That's bad NBA basketball, not efficient enough. Like if you're going to take that shot, that's got to be a pull-up three as much as it, even if you're going to miss it, like you have to take that as a three-pointer or or get close to the rim. That's just not not good enough. Lazy. Yeah. And that that settling for those shots, it feels aligned with this downturn that you referred to there, Jake. And I don't feel like it's completely unintentional if you just think about the juncture within the season that we're at. And if you think about the things that have plagued this team in the postseason in recent years, top of the list other than health has been like just fatigue, which it could be you know assigned to the health category, which is you saw it in the finals a couple of years ago. Like the team were completely burnt out by the time they got to that point. You could argue against the Heat last year, there was a bit of burnout as a factor as well because they were having to you know, try harder for um, a place in, in, in seeding uh, throughout the regular season. Whereas this year, and this game is a good example of that, they are taking care of business. It is ugly, but they are winning like almost all of the incredibly winnable games and then being really, really, really like elite level competitive against over 500 teams as well. So they're, they're better poised and better positioned this year to have these somewhat intentional downturns, I think. So just adds to the fact of how unwired wired I am about the Jays and the team as a whole because their process has been solid when they've needed to play they've shown us that they can and they've demonstrated an ability to essentially half-ass these games and still win them somehow so I'm, I'm as little worried as I've ever been essentially yeah I, I'm, I'm not worried at all but yeah it, it, he's absolutely now the, the, the new version of settling is almost like the post like he's getting the mismatch in the post and to be fair actually he didn't get a couple of foul calls early where he did use the post to and do that spin move and kind of try and go through the guy to get to the line didn't get a couple of calls yeah. and kind of didn't get back to it but yeah the that's that's something that you can tell that he's settling for when he's getting in the post and and especially when he's not trying to get closer, like when he's doing it from the 18 foot range, uh, that's, that's when you can, you can really tell that, that he's settling. And that's, I said it uh, a couple of podcasts ago, the all-star break is coming and you can kind of feel it. It's just, Oh yeah. Yeah. You got, you got to grind these wins out there. And then they are. The good thing is I don't think it's impacting their defense. Like I don't think the defense was perfect tonight by any means, but I didn't think mm-hmm. that, the Jays' defense was egregious today. I thought the defense as, as a whole was was pretty good. It was the it was the laziness on offense. It was it was like we're better than these guys. We're gonna just kind of sleepwalk our way to our twenty five each and get out of here and not have to play in the fourth quarter. And uh, you like as as I don't respect this Rockets team. Like they especially with who they had out. Like no Fred VanVleet, no Javari Smith, no Jeff Green, no Tyrese, mm-hmm. and like they should have absolutely gotten Jordan Walsh into this game. Sure. Um, but yeah, they, they they and and they treated the game like that. Yeah, even Derek White just like straight up threw the ball out of bounds at one point. Like perfect, faultless, beautiful Derek White uh, threw the ball just completely out of bounds at one point. So, you know, if he's doing that, then something's up. And I don't mean that in terms of being worried about the team. I just mean their approach to this game, which I think we've we've covered now. Um, happy to be seeing the end of, of Ime Udoka's Rockets for, for the final time this year, Jake. You know what I did enjoy, though, is Jalen Brown chasing... His triple double to end the oh, game. You, you enjoyed I, that? I, I, you don't think I, it angers I, the basketball gods? No, because Ime, because here's the thing. 
he may anger the basketball gods by doing whatever he did. Mm-hmm. And so, sure. so, and, and they, and they were still fouling and they were, they were like calling timeouts and challenging and, and like trying to pretend like the game was still within reach. And I, so I have absolutely no, no issues with Jalen Brown chasing the triple double. And you know what? Take that e Screw you, dude. Right up ya. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> dunk it. He got the fast break, slammed it on him, got an assist. Yeah, I, I, I loved it a little. Little stat pad right in in Imei Doka's face. Yeah, yeah, okay, I can subscribe to that. I'm happy to see the end of them. Like, I just yes. don't, I don't like bringing up um, those negative feelings from uh, from a yeah. couple of years ago. I don't, I don't enjoy it, and I'm sure most people involved, no matter how they feel about it, at least can probably meet each other in the middle of feeling somewhat awkward and tired by the whole thing. So I'm, I'm just glad that it's done and dusted for a year. And this time next year, it won't be nearly as big of a deal. No. Uh, anything else on this game? I feel like we need to just like run sprint away from it because it was terrible and I never want <laughs> yeah. to think about it again. Just, the only thing is just before that uh, Tatum conversation, I was just going to mention that I know Hauser was three for 12 from three. Um, that's that. Look, that's just, he's going to come, he's going to come good again and feel like he can't miss a shot. He's dipped down to, he's now 40% from three on the season. Like obviously still incredible, but <laughs> you know, we, we want, we want him to kind of have a run where he's, you know, that would have been awesome tonight if he was able to go six for 12, right? Like that would have been, uh, that would have been what we needed to kind of break this thing open and get some rest down the stretch. But I thought he did a really good job rebounding. Obviously he had seven rebounds, two really big offensive rebounds and yep. six assists. Like he's become like a really good team player. He's become like a legit, I do the dirty things guy, which is not something that I would have expected from the from the tall white shooter from Virginia. So, um, yeah, I like it. He might be the the captain of the playing well above the value of his contract sub team within the Celtics. Oh, yeah. I think I think he's the leader of that squad. Uh, no and like we've said so many times now, like so good to finally have our own version of that after watching the Heat. You know, repeat that time and time again. Um, the Mavs tomorrow. The Mavs are three and three in their last six games. Okay. Uh, they've got the tenth ranked offense on the year the 17th ranked defense not particularly good last two weeks Jake per cleaning the glass 11th offense 27th ranked defense in the last two weeks which is in that stretch is where they've gone three and three Grant Williams who we'll see tomorrow for the first time since uh, the sign and trade six points per game this is in the last 10 games six points per game 31% from three if you look at the last five games 27% from three 40% 40% from the field overall, good for a negative 7.2. He's been dog shit. Grant Williams has been dog shit. <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of feelings, I think, going into tomorrow, like sort of relative to you know, a, a January regular season game. Who do you think benefits from the feelings more, Jake? Is it Grant Williams? You know, you didn't want to re-sign me. You didn't want to keep me around. I'm going to you know, avenge that somehow, even though I don't think he's capable. Is it Kyrie yeah. and his feelings about his history with the Celtics? Is it the fact that Luka Doncic seems to always hit a game winner against the Celtics at least once a year or is it the inverse of that is it the Celtics being like we never really liked you we're kind of glad you're gone in fact we're really glad you're gone and we'd like to show that to you in your house for the one opportunity that we get this year hmm see if I can rank who is the most excited for revenge because yeah, I could have asked that question a lot more succinctly. Sorry. No, 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 no. no. There's good layout. You know the the, the motives behind the revenge mm-hmm. of each each candidate here because you know KP. I think KP and Grant. I think I got to have could be at the top of my list here because Grant obviously very recent. I I think Kyrie the Kyrie stuff probably at the bottom. That's happened mm-hmm. so long ago now, and the players never really felt the same way as the fans did. The the Celtics players. 
maybe except for Jalen, uh, seem to just love uh, love Kyrie. The question is, will KP play tomorrow? I think he's going to play. I, I know that they've been resting him on back-to-back, but I think he's going to play tomorrow specifically because it's Dallas. And that's why I'm putting KP at number one on the revenge rankings here. I think this oh, matters nice. to him. This was like this was supposed to be a really, really big pairing, a superstar pairing between Luka Doncic and Chris Porzingis that went really badly. Porzingis bore all of the blame for things not going well in Dallas, shipped out for Davis Bertans to Washington. <laughs> the Latvian it's, laser. The Latvian, dude, it's insane. Like right now, it's for like if, for example, the Celtics have to trade Porzingis next year or or he had been playing this well for a year and then he now he's getting traded. What he would be getting back now for having like a, a season and a half of being healthy and playing at an all-star level compared to what he was traded for from Dallas to Washington and Washington to Boston like would be night and day. Mm-hmm, so I, sure. I guarantee you that he's carrying all that shit. He was a salary dump from Dallas to Washington. He's going to be at the top of the list. It's just whether or not he plays. Yeah, and just beyond all that, like he had five blocks tonight. He's like a critical yeah. part of our awesome defense, especially if we want to play yeah. drop coverage, which against Luca may be necessary. Uh, I hope yep. he plays, even if he just sort of lazily stands around the rim as a rim yeah. turret. That would be more helpful than not. So uh, I didn't even think of that, the, the KP part of the narrative. that's That definitely oh. jumps to the, the top of my list of narrative yes. uh, spicinesses, uh, <laughs> which is not a word. <laughs> uh, Grant, um, Grant, though, I think you've got to have Grant at two. And I think this, this is a good thing. I think Grant is going to be very motivated to try and stick it to the Celtics because, you know, there was the, uh, the, the, the Jimmy thing that he kind of got blamed for in the playoffs, the I'm going to make them both, uh, the in <laughs> so and out. So many lowlights. The, 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 some, yes, some in and out of the rotation stuff late in the season, uh, the not being re-signed and let go basically for, for nothing, uh, besides a 6.2 million trade exception, uh, which I actually think could work to the Celtics' advantage here. I think Grant being extra motivated to try and imp- put him, you know, force himself into this game, I think he's going to help the Celtics. I want Grant yes. trying to do too much. That's good. <laughs> That's what we want. I fully agree. If anyone's going <laughs> to fuck that up and just bring the wrong kind of energy for that and have it um, blow up in their faces, it's going to be Grant Williams. So I'm really cool. excited to see that. And I, I feel like the guys will know that and, yes. and try and, and curb that a little bit um, or, or rather egg him on. So, well, this, um, is a, this is a good point from Michael in the chat here. Grant wants revenge. I want revenge on Grant for all that, <laughs> for so being so annoying last season. I'm like, oh, hang on a second. Should I be moving Jason Tatum up the list of revenge? Because every like mic'd up thing, it was like Grant and Jason joking around and Jason in the post game, like having to be like, oh, Grant said that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I said that. <laughs> Got it. Got it. So um, maybe Jason Tatum needs to be higher on the list. Well, during those segments where they were mic'd up pre-game, during the like the pre-game shoot around, it was always Grant and Juice in the corner, and Grant defending yeah. JT while they were just having a chat. And JT was like splashing all of those those threes yes. over Grant's outstretched hand. So he's he's very used to shooting efficiently with that look in front of him. It's a good Obviously, point. it's different at game speed, but. Um, maybe clutching at straws here yeah look, it, it's gonna be interesting it's the time of year where the, the games need something to make them pop and tonight we just did not have that from a fan 
narrative, something to get your hooks into perspective, nothing. The Udoka thing, that's washed because <laughs> we've already seen them. Uh, and the players, clearly nothing either. So um, going into this one, it's, it's good to have a few different narratives to, to sink our teeth into. Um, are you predicting is a win a national, for the Celtics? Is this, a, is this a national TV game, do you know? I don't, I don't think it is. I don't think, you don't think it is. No. I'm just the, heat, the Heat game is. The Heat game definitely is. Um, yeah, no, it's not. It's um, the so, so uh, the Mavericks. Or oh, speaking of which, Ben, we should do um, in ones. We'll be we'll be right back in a second here, uh, folks. After we do our um, our ad read, do we have the, the ad read ready to go? Here it is. Three, two, one. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org/chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. So the reason I got reminded of that is because the, <laughs> for, for the third time... Oh, actually, no, no. We're, all, we're, we're still favoured for tomorrow's game, which is... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that... Welcome to the ASMR uh, FanDuel read, Alia. Yeah, if you haven't heard it yet, that's that's <laughs> the what audience we're going loves with. it. Yeah, uh, apparently. So <laughs> I hate to say it, but the the Celtics are three and a half point favorites on FanDuel. Mm-hmm. The Mavericks have had a lot of rest. They will have had four days rest, I think, uh, coming into this one. Uh, mostly to do with they had a game postponed with the Warriors because of the passing of the Warriors assistant, which is. Obviously, incredibly sad, but mm. they are going to be just have had four days off, and we're having a back to back. We just played the Nuggets in a super close game as well. Uh, we may or may not have Porzingis. So while you can, because we we, we don't know, I I've already bet on uh, Mavericks money line. Oh, say it, yeah. <laughs> like, and I, I'm just kind of following a trend here. You know, the Celtics have not been great now for a week or so. Uh, Raptors game, eh. Spurs game, eh. Nuggets game, I thought they played well. But then they played like crap again tonight. And so I'm just kind of following a trend here. And you're able to get like pretty good value with the Mavericks on top of, I'm pretty sure that's building in pausing is like still playing where he's mm-hmm. announced that he's out. Sorry, everyone. 
Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Got some got some detractors in the chat. Uh, well, you, so you don't subscribe to the whole like there's there's a narrative, there's something to motivate these guys. They're going to bring their role and, and play like the the best version of the Celtics that we've we've come to love this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. You got me there. Damn. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I th- I'm, I'm sure that's what a lot of people uh, are going to be Hope. yeah, ho- hoping. Um, I think I think they probably lose. I think I'm just, they lose today. They got two days off before the heat game. Mm-hmm. And then that's the one that they're really going to bring the bring the bring the noise for. Question for you. Would you rather win tomorrow or the heat game? Uh, well, because we won tonight, if we split the next two. That's fine. Like as long as seeding wise, matter. it doesn't matter to me. As the thing that matters to me is have we won the most amount of games at the end of the year. So like if we can win both, that's great. Uh, if we win either one, I, I understand why you're asking because of the the, the demons that well the um, narratives and the, well, yeah. the, the the heat games on national TV. I did ask you in the playback stream if if I give you two losses, Rockets and Mavs for Heat win. Or two wins for the Heat loss, which one do you take? And you took the two wins with the Rockets and the Mavs, right? Yeah, the Texas two step. Like do you really want to lose to do you really want to lose to Grant Williams? Like That's a good point. Good yeah, because then it's uh, like next next time we go back and play them, there's a, a, the narrative is, is picked up again. And suddenly it's like, well, Grant, you know, with his new team, he beat us the, the only time we've played <laughs> them so far. Then we're establishing new narratives. If we just like beat them handily and move on, then we can just then we can focus on the heat and not worry about new nar- narratives yeah. that are rising up out of the ashes. Yeah, the new I mean, like the new question is obviously like I think it's easy to answer heat as opposed to Mavericks. Like if it's just a one yeah. for one. But yeah. I think for everybody in the chat, you have to answer it, it, it's either heat we get one win or you get two wins with the, with the, with the Dallas teams. I personally would be taking the, the Miami win because I'm, I'm a narrative-based uh, vibes guy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, like, I would like, you know, you, you lose those two games. You're on a back-to-back. You can kind of make excuses for the Mavericks game. And then you come into Miami and you just you, you smoke them. And, you know, you've got your full team. You're like, Miami's got no shot against us. We're 2-0 in the regular season now. Give me the heat win. I, like these, these Western Conference games, you know, the Nuggets game that you lose, the Thunder game that you lost, uh, you, you win one against the Timberwolves, you obviously lose the other overtime one against the Timberwolves. You obviously want to win those big games. Sure. Like you obviously want to win those big games, but the games against the Western Conference teams just mean so much less to me. Is it like the, the, the teams in the East are the teams you're going to face in the playoffs and you, you want to just build, you want to build against those guys. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I understand the the premise of the question, and I understand <laughs> That's how my brain know, works. The, well, yeah, and just the the history with the Heat and uh, and wanting to have some confidence against them if we see them in the postseason, and winning against them in the regular season is going to be a huge uh, tool there. Um, I almost don't want to watch the Heat game. Like, obviously, I will. I know, I'll be on the edge of my seat, but um, it's so stressful, and just how good they are at discombobulating our offense um, and and bringing out the worst in the Jays. Um, yeah, I almost don't want to watch it. So yeah, I don't know. S- I don't have a good answer to your question because, like, the way my <laughs> brain works is like just win all the games. Just win don't all the games. Consider losing one of them. Just win three and zero. Yeah, win every one. Which it's is on the table. Hey, well, that there we go. And I will say every time I'm like, you know, let's go conservative. Let's go one and two. Let's go two and one. They have typically just overachieved in those spots. So yeah. Hell yeah. Um, you know, they, they could definitely win tomorrow. Like, even though, you know, you got 35 minutes from Tatum and Jalen played 30 tonight. Kind of a light 30. 
there's a young man and kind of a light 30 and a light 35. You know, mm. not 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 every game is created equal. And I thought that they, they took this one pretty pretty light. And they get the two days off, which is now also convincing me that Porzingis is going to play even more. So um, I really I really hope that, that they play. Man, with these, we get Drew back. And I actually think Drew is built more for the Luka matchup than some of these other matchups. Like, okay. he's, he, he struggled with Jamal Murray. He struggled with... SGA and he's kind of spoken about the quicker guys giving him trouble whereas he's done really well on the on some of the bigger matchups and so I mean no one can guard Luca. that's just how it goes but you know got Drew Holiday a little extra rest he'll be fired up I think to come in and I, I'm predicting that he's the primary matchup off the tip against Luca. Uh, I'd like to see Tatum Jalen and, and Drew as the three kind of guys that you're, you're putting on him because you you just have to defend him with size and strength and length where possible yeah and exhaust him on the other end like the the Jays in particular have had great success going at Luca and, and putting him in in defensive hell at times because uh, he's not the most quick-footed defender uh, by any means uh, and the, the Jays have definitely had some success going at him in the past so there's, there's potential for him to be in hell on both ends I'll, I'll stop there because I don't want to jinx us and obviously there's probably way more for potential for Luka Doncic to absolutely go off and, and cook us like he has so many times in the past but uh, it's a really exciting matchup and uh, I guess you know talking about the heat game I hope our guys don't look beyond this matchup to the heat game which they're probably stressing about in anticipation so it's going to be a fun one uh, playback tomorrow Jake, for the match. Playback game. tomorrow. We'll be back. Um, I believe it's you, myself, and Eric Weiss, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> awesome. Jeez, that's going to be a good one. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yep. So just two two guys and a play, play development legend in the in the playback game. So, <laughs> so stop by for uh, the playback game, watch the game all together. I know uh, uh, Dimitri and Greg in the chat, you guys are going to be at the game. Uh, maybe get get on playback at halftime. Give us the halftime report. We'll we'll put you on stage. Playback.tv yeah. <laughs> slash Celtics blog. Um, it's all over our social media stuff if you want to find it. But uh, yeah, another big game. We're right back to it, man. Yeah, I believe the link is in the, the comments or the, the description rather as well. So you can find it there too. So looking forward to that one. Um, do you want to end talking about the Nuggets game just for a couple of minutes here, Jake, because we haven't really been on to discuss that one. And I want to focus on the, the hatred, the vitriol towards Joe Mazzulla after that game, just broadly asking, Jake, like, do you think that's founded at all? Do you think that's justified? I was just going to answer Tony Lewis's question here. Yeah, in playback, you can actually watch the game as we're watching the game. So it's not like we're doing what we're doing right now while the game's on a different screen. Like we're all watching the exact same feed. And so we're all like watching the game together. The premise is, you know, watching the game as a, with your buddies at the same time, just to, to clarify anybody for anybody listening as well. Um, Joe Mazzulla and the Nuggets game. I didn't think there was anything wrong with the way that Joe Mazzulla approached that game. I loved the defensive game plan. The, the way that I like to defend the Nuggets is force Jokic to take as many shots as possible. Um, you can't let the three-point shooters get going. You can't let MPJ and KCP start raining threes down. Because once that happens, and then, and then you start overreacting, driving kick, Aaron Gordon's dunking on your head. That's when their offense is at their best. That's what Jokic wants to do. Um and they played Jokic straight up pretty well. Um, the defense on Jamal Murray was pretty much fantastic the whole time. He just made like every shot 
like 80% on just tough, tough jumpers. And then tonight he goes seven for 23 against the Wizards. And that's just- Dude. It hurts. <laughs> it hurts, dude. It really, like, it fucking hurts. Like, and uh, so defensively, I really liked it. Um, maybe you go to KP a bit more down the stretch. But I went back and I did a thread on on Twitter. I looked at like every Celtics offensive possession from like the six minute mark all the way through. And if you go back and watch it, the process was good. They got wide open threes. They got, you know, uh, to the free throw line. They were one for four from the free throw line in the fourth quarter, which is just obviously terrible. You go four for four from the free throw line. You just win the game. Simple as that. Um you know, Jalen misses those two free throws. They actually get the offensive rebound. They miss a wide open three, get another offensive rebound, miss another wide open three. Uh, Jay, you know, oh, we want Jason Tatum to get to the rim. Uh, he did get to the rim. He dunked uh, one possession. He got to the floater game, which was probably a foul. He um, he drove to the to, to the right and drew three defenders and kicked it to Derek White in the corner. And he missed a wide open, it was missed a catch and th- shoot three, which how many times has Derek White hit? You know these clutch threes. The, the the I think the real like thing that I think is okay to have like real questions with are uh, the two like specifically the last Tater mid range fadeaway. It's mm-hmm. like sure. the entry pass wasn't great. He was a little bit off balance. He rushed it, um, but he could have he could have definitely just spun and gone through KCP and put a shot up at the rim, tried to draw a foul as opposed to doing the, the, the mid range fadeaway. I don't hate the shot. I know he hasn't made a lot, like a lot of, especially this year. Um, but with four seconds left, like it's hard to get a clean look and the nuggets really defended the possession before really well. The ATO that, that Joe drew up, I thought was good. Um, got, yeah. Before the Tatum attempt. Bef- um, oh, like where we're with the Tatum went one on three, mm-hmm. but here's the thing. They are struggling so hard to get a basket. They finally get a stop. And it's like, we really need to get a look at the rim. We're trying to get an easy look. And like, Jokic also probably fouled him on the right hand. Um, I understand it in in the moment. I really do. Like trying to push it and just try and finish. He's just, he has to be stronger with the ball in that spot. Um, yeah. Well, for folks listening later, Joe's got a comment. Joe today has a comment in the chat. The fast break four versus one was a bloody disaster, uh, which is why we, we shifted the play that we were talking about there. Just if you're listening later and confused. But uh, yeah, he, he's got to look at the rim there. He, he's right there. There's no option, passing option for him. I guess the argument, Jake, is that like he maybe pull pulled it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, totally. you know, just but the, they, the flow of the game, I was I was happy for him to, to make that attempt. And it's certainly not Joe Mazzulla's fault, you know? Like, yes. there's no reason to be mad at Joe for, for that. No. Um, and, and it was almost one of those games where it's like we played so badly and still won. And it was at least, and this has become a slightly increasingly uh, larger category of games um, or cohort of games so far this year, is games where we play terribly and yet we're still in a position to win or tie the game uh, at the last possession. And that was the case with the first Timberwolves game. There was at least one more game that, that fit that description as well. And here we find ourselves in that same position against the, the Nuggets as well. And to me, like that's at least you've got to credit good coaching to some degree to be able to get a team to that point when their best players are playing so poorly. Yeah. And the Jays had good moments in this game, but they just shot badly. And like the offensive yeah. process was good throughout the game. They got good looks. And they just missed them. And then for people to go online 
afterwards. And I don't know why I'm surprised because it's, it's pretty typical yeah. of any passionate fan base. But I just thought this was uh, particularly egregious, uh, the, the teardown of Joe Mazzola as if he could have done something better throughout the course of the game um, to have them win it. I thought he put them in the best possible position to win pretty much the entire game. That's crazy. I don't know how the takeaway would be that Joe Mazzola was the issue in that in that game. Kendrick Perkins, dude. I'm so it's like the bird brain, <laughs> bird flying backwards thing. It doesn't even make sense. Like it's just, and the the irony of that coming from someone like Perk, who man, Ooh, yeah. very he's loud. playing a role. Very he's loud. A, he's a television panelist archetype. You know, he's just playing a role, and it's probably like they may not even be his true feelings. You know, like he's just a guy with a job. So I don't even really necessarily um, hold anything against Perk because I just feel like he's out there playing his role in the in the media sphere but it's more just like people who call themselves Celtics fans reacting to like to blame Joe Mazzulla in this way for a game that was pretty well handled despite so many things going wrong you know the Jays uh, shot poorly like I said you mentioned Jamal Murray he cooked so hard in those yeah. non-Jokic minutes and the first two non-Jokic minutes was when Tatum came in in the second quarter and went on his own personal run. Yeah. And it was like, here we go. Like, they can't play Jokic the whole game. All we've got to do is win these minutes, play them even in the Jokic minutes, and we're going to be fine. And then out of nowhere, Jamal Murray just starts hitting like, you know, 17-foot turnaround fading jump shots and just yeah. going fucking crazy. And like, if that just doesn't happen, we win the game handily despite all of the, you know, the, the things that went wrong for the Celtics like the Jays shooting poorly. So I thought the game was handled well. I don't think it was nearly as disappointing pointing as others point out um and i'm just happy to yeah. distance ourselves from it now no i don't want to call anyone out but like if you if your takeaway is always especially this season on a game that the celtics lose is to point at joe like i'm not sure if you you, you know ball because like because <laughs> like it's the it's the easiest laziest thing uh, if you if you're going to c- come to someone and say Joe needs to be fired, Joe needs like Joe sucked. Tell me what exactly? Because I think that maybe the one criticism is like, can we have gotten Porzingis more touches? They were shading so much more attention over to him mm-hmm. uh, later in the game. The they got good looks. They got to make him. They got to make him. They got the free throws. They got four three free throws. On the other side, the, the, so the Celtics were nine for uh, twenty or eight for twenty, I believe, in the fourth quarter. The Nuggets were nine for twenty-two, forty percent, forty point nine versus Celtics forty percent. The Celtics were sixteen point seven percent from three. The Nuggets were twelve percent from three from in the fourth quarter. Like both teams really struggled offensively. It was like a playoff game. P- points are like really really hard to come by in the fourth quarter, and. The, the Nuggets were just able to like make one or two more plays, like literally make the three free throws. That's all we need to do, dude. Are you uh, more or less concerned about a potential final series against the Nuggets? After it's only one game, ooh. but that's all the sample size we have so far. Because I've I feel like we were so close. Like I've already said a bunch bunch of times now, we were so close despite all the things that went wrong. That I actually I think I feel more comfortable about the prospect of a series against that team. What do you think? I, I like the Jokic matchup because, ironically, considering the Jays had really a really bad game, they've typically done really well against Denver. Like the two matchups last season, they were awesome across those two games. Aaron sure. Gore, and I, I feel like you saw it in that game. Like they're able to get to spots pretty easily. Like today, ironically, uh, 
they looked way more uncomfortable as far as like balls being stripped and turnovers, like very, you know, Miami heaty where they're like being bumped and they're just like wandering all over the place. Whereas it just felt like they missed shots in the Denver game. Like Tatum got blocked by the rim late. Like he made an awesome room to the rim and it was like, did he get fouled? Did Aaron Gordon block him? And I went back and watched it's like, he just like, he should have just laid it in with his right hand, but he just got blocked by the rim. It's like really simple stuff like that. I, I like the matchup because I think that Denver will struggle to slow us down on offense consistently. And those are the matchups I like more for the Celtics. Sure. Makes sense. Uh, anything else you want to touch on, Jake? We've gone over an hour now. It's uh, it's getting on here in the day. Um, I feel like we've covered <laughs> a whole lot of everything between the Rockets game, the Mavs game and the Nuggets game. Anything else on your mind? Just got to keep grinding them out. Like forever bleed green in the chat here. There's no such thing as a bad win. This was pretty close. (laughs) Yeah, this was close. But look, a win is a win and you got to keep grinding these things out. And they're seven and three in their last 10. Pretty good. They're 33 and 10 on pace for 63 wins still. Three and a half games up on the two seed. We're, We're in a good spot. And uh, just try and regroup and hope you can grind another win out tomorrow. Yeah. And look, Mavs game, Heat game, they're going to be more entertaining. Like, they just will be. And don't worry about the Jays. They are and will be completely fine. All right. Yes. Celtics hopefully late night. Hopefully it's us tomorrow. <laughs> yes, that'd be nice. It, it may need to. And hopefully Grant Williams doesn't uh, cause problems for us that last the rest of the season. Uh, this was fun. <laughs> Celtics late night. Thanks to you, Jake. Thanks to everyone in the chat. Uh, love hanging out with you guys. Love reading all of your comments. Uh, if you're watching this after the fact, please subscribe to the First of the Floor YouTube channel. We very much appreciate it. We're very, very close to 3,000 subs. Please like this stream as well. Help us navigate the algorithm and put us in front of more eyeballs and earballs and all of the balls. Uh, that's going to do it for <laughs> this one. Please. <laughs> Celtics late night. We're out. <laughs>